three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 407. Welcome in. Uh, today's episode is about college football. This will come out about the time that Sunday night football starts. So, hey, like I know NFL is happening today. Today's about college football. The next episode is about the NFL. I'm doing the best I can. I'm making content as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, I was going to record this last night, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm exhausted. I should go to bed. I just woke up. Here we are. It's Sunday. Um, I always talk about how, like every episode, something goes wrong, whether it's um, recently the thing that's been going on often is there's been construction in the apartment below me. Uh, the, the drama this episode is I cut my finger really bad, and uh, it's a bit my fault. I was scrubbing a knife, and my hand slipped, and a knife cut my finger pretty bad. Uh, I probably normally have the knife turned away from me. I had it turned a different direction because I was trying to scrub the tip of it, and I, I just blanked, and I, I feel like an idiot. Uh, trigger warning now. I, I, blood spurted everywhere. It was pretty scary, actually. Um, and I made the decision to not go to the doctor. So we'll see if that was the right one or not. You can follow along. Does Zach get dysentery and die? Let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it's fine. It was kind of one of those ones. It's a deep cut, but like really, like really like just a, it's a prick that's really deep. And I'm like, well, I could get stitches. I mean, it's like right on the edge where like, I probably could get stitches if I really wanted to. I don't want to. I also don't really care if I get a scar. And so I'm going to let it heal naturally. I bandaged it up. And it's, I mean, it, I can't bend it. So it's like, it's right kind of between the knuckles. So, God, I got blood on my fingernail from literally earlier cleaning it. That's horrible and disgusting. Don't look at my fingernail. Um, and and uh, so anyway, I, I'm just kind of hoping it fuses. I did reopen it this morning, which sucked. But you can follow along. The next couple episodes, you'll see my hand bandaged up. It's really hard to write, actually. Um, I, I, I do all my notes by hand because I'm an animal and I, I'm weird. Uh, I don't like typing. It's it doesn't work for me. I can't organize my thoughts properly on, on on a a word document. I just really struggle with that. I got some kind of brain thing. I don't know, but I I, I write left handed and I I'm holding the pen now without my pointer finger at all, and it, it works. My my handwriting's fine. It's not great. It's definitely more ugly than normal, but it it does it does kind of work. Um, but it just so you know. Throughout the next couple episodes, you'll see my finger bandaged up, and I will, I will, if you want, give updates on how it's going. And and the day you don't see it is a really the day you look forward to is like in a week or two weeks when I'm like it's healed, and I, I take it off. Or the day I'm like, hey guys, I had to go to the hospital, I got dysentery, and uh, I died or whatever. You know, I, I'm referring to uh, Oregon Trail. I'm sorry. <laughs> Enough about me. Let's talk about college football. the The number one thing I want to start with today is that. Number 16, Ole Miss beat Liberty 27 to 24. And the thing I was most excited for in this game was watching Liberty quarterback Malik Willis against an SEC level defense. And like a secondary storyline was I love watching Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. A lot of people say he's a first run pick. I'll, t I'll get into that later. Um, but like Matt Corral against Liberty, you're supposed to dominate Liberty. That's not a, I want to watch Matt Corral against LSU, Auburn. You know, Alabama, Georgia, like against really good defenses. I don't, I expect Matt Corral to have a great game against lower level Liberty, but watching Malik Willis against the top defense is what I'm really excited to see. And, um, 
Malik Willis did not have a great game. He was 16 for 25 passing for 173 yards, zero touchdowns passing. He did have a touchdown rushing, but he threw not one, not two, but three interceptions. And, uh, oh man, I should have seen this coming. Like, I I feel dumb that I I hyped up this game because I'm like, of course. Oh, you mean Liberty had a hard time against Ole Miss? What a shock. It's not surprising. It's it's like, wait, come on. Of course they're going to have a hard time and lose the game. I think if anything, it's impressive that Liberty only lost by 13 points. Um, This game was a physical mismatch. I mean, Malik Willis got sacked seven times in the first half. Uh, His receivers really struggled to get separation. They had a couple drops. Uh, In the first half, Liberty got dominated up front on the line of scrimmage. And again, physical mismatch is what I say here. This is Alabama against New Mexico. This is Oregon against Wyoming. This is a game where of course, the bigger school with better players is going to dominate the smaller school that doesn't have as good of recruits. They, you know, Liberty has a star quarterback. That's about it. And, you know, look, I in the second half, Ole Miss kind of took their foot off the gas, put in some backups, and they really what happened was Ole Miss said we're up, you know, twenty four or twenty seven you know, at points, and we're just gonna. I think they were up twenty four to seven at one point. And they said, we're just going to give Liberty numbers in the box, and meaning that they're going to have fewer defenders playing the run, kind of forcing Liberty to, if they want to run any kind of competent offense, Liberty had to run the ball. And it was fine. Liberty would run for like six yards, four yards, five yards. It, it worked well for Liberty, but it also just ate up tons of time on the clock. And, the, you know, that's basically how Ole Miss decided to, they, they got a lead, said, we're going to give numbers in the box. We'll, we'll give you six yards every play. And you're just going to run up the clock on offense. And that's what Liberty did. So kind of an interesting strategy for Ole Miss. Also, I think Ole Miss really, you know, heard Lane Kiffin talk at halftime. He's like, I want to get my backups in the game. Now, of Malik Willis's three interceptions, two of them were bad. Uh, his first interception was a throw that I thought was, it was actually kind of a, it was a third and five. He literally was on his back foot, makes a really good throw low where only his receiver could get it. His receiver catches the ball and then rolls immediately. And at, on the roll, the defender stole the ball from his receiver. And so the ball got, it's technically an interception. Um, that pick is not on Malik Willis. That's a, that's a good throw. It's actually a really impressive throw, I thought. And I, I got to say, man, Malik Willis reminds me of Matthew Stafford, the way he throws the ball, like from different arm angles, from, you know, the ability to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I really think if you don't recognize the talent Malik Willis has, that's on you. And you feel free to criticize him. Feel free to look at this game and say, Malik Willis is terrible, and you can do that. I would say, well, he played against a really good football team, and it was definitely it was a physical mismatch. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. Let's talk about second interception he had because interception number two was a bad one. It was a hole shot to the opposite hash. Either he was trying to throw a hole shot, or he just simply didn't see the safety there and thought he could just throw it up. Uh, either way, it was a bad decision. Throw it on the right sideline, got picked off. Really easy interception. And then interception number three was the, probably the worst one of the game. Came at the end of the fourth quarter. Liberty's down 27-14. They're actually driving. They have a chance to score with like two, three minutes left. And it was such an avoidable interception. I, I believe it was first down. Uh, don't quote me on that. Someone can find that. It, it's early on in the down, though. And Malik Willis rolls out to the right, You know, extends the play, and just launches it up into the end zone up for grabs. And it's like, what are you doing? I get, if it's fourth down, fair enough. You got to make a play. You got to do something. 
But in that situation, throw the ball away. It's first down, throw it away, move on. And it, it was a good, again, it's Malik Willis is not a finished product. I mean, we're going to talk about Malik Willis as an NFL quarterback. And in this game, you certainly don't go, wow, what a great game Malik Willis had against Ole Miss. I, I would have liked to see him do great. And he didn't. Um, but again, you're severely outmatched. Malik Willis got sacked nine times in this game. And I thought what he did show off really well was his physical talent. Again, he's got a huge arm. He he made some defenders miss multiple times and had some good runs. And I I just like again, like the talent is there. You you either see it or you don't. It's fine if you don't. I believe in Malik Willis, and I, I don't believe Malik Willis is a guy you you want to start week one next year of the NFL, but his potential's off the charts. And this game, Liberty at Ole Miss, kind of reminds me of in 2017, when Oregon played Josh Allen and Wyoming, that was also a big physical mismatch. And Josh Allen was 9 for 24 passing with 64 yards and an interception. It was an ugly game for Josh Allen against Oregon in 2017. He goes on to be the number six overall pick. Now he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the entire NFL because he's got a ton of physical ability. And Malik Willis is not a guy that's even close to a finished product. That's fine. But I, if I'm a coach, I'm like, that guy can do a lot, and I can teach him how to play. He's also big. He's, he's 6'1". He's not huge, but he's built big and durable. And I just look at what Malik Willis can do, and I'm like, this guy is special, and I don't care that he throws a couple bad interceptions. I can teach him how to. If I'm an NFL coach and I'm confident in my ability, I'm like, I can teach this guy to play quarterback. He's cheap. He's talented. And I can teach him how to play. So... Like, again, I'm not surprised Malik Willis had a bad game against Ole Miss. He was massively outmatched. It's Liberty against an SEC team. And he was running for his life. They couldn't protect him. But, again, I just the last thing I want to say about this before we move on to Matt Corral is that the talent is so clear with Malik Willis. And if you want to say this loss against Ole Miss is an indication of why he's not the top quarterback in the draft, go ahead. You, feel free to do that. But, again— I already quoted Josh Allen against Oregon, right? Like when you're on a an average to bad football team, at least in comparison to an SEC team and you lose, that's expected. Like I just, you know, I don't know. I, I digress, but I just look at Malik Willis and I I'm really, really high on the guy. Uh the only question is, is Malik Willis eager to learn the same way that Justin Herbert was, the same way that Josh Allen was? Because they came into the league with some questions, and they came in, worked their butt off, learned the offense. Uh, Justin Herbert was a success much quicker than Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's a way different quarterback than he was three years ago. And and the question is, will Malik Willis work hard to get even better from now to where he is in two to three years? If he does that, the sky's the limit. Now, one thing I learned, by the way, in this game, and I was surprised about this, is that Ole Miss does not hate their former head coach, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze was the former Ole Miss head coach, he got he left with scandal and NCAA violations, and now he's head coach at Liberty. And this was his first game back in, in at you know in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, I believe that's where uh, yeah yeah because Starkville's where Mississippi State is. And he was actually welcomed and appreciated into Oxford, Mississippi. I was surprised at the the level of um, like respect he was actually given. I I forgot like I I, I kind of makes sense like I forgot that. Hugh Freeze beat Nick Saban two times in a row back-to-back. And you're like, well, okay, I get why they don't hate the guy. Like, 
yeah, allegations, yeah, scandal, whatever. Ole Miss is in a good place now. They got Nick Saban, or sorry, uh, Lane Kiffin now. And Nick Saban, <laughs> he beat Nick Saban twice, uh, Hugh Freeze did. Now that Ole Miss has moved on, they've got a new coach, Lane Kiffin, they're happy. Uh, and, and they look back on Hugh Freeze and go, it was a good time. Like, we won a lot of games. We surpassed expectations. We beat Alabama twice. I think it's kind of cool that, it's kind of cool, it's kind of surprising, but it's also kind of cool that they don't hate their former head coach, Hugh Freeze. He was welcomed with open arms. Now, let's talk about Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. A lot of people tell me he is a first-round pick, and he might be. Right? Like, I want to be clear. Like, I, I, I want to be clear. I'm not, I don't have a decision. A lot of people want me to pick a side on Matt Corral. I'll tell you, I'm not comfortable doing that. I've only watched him play two games this year. I watched him play Auburn, and I watched him play now Liberty. Liberty is like, well, you're going to dominate Liberty. They're not an SEC football team. I, I like what I've seen. I haven't seen enough to tell you that I would draft him in the first round. I also haven't seen enough to tell you that he's not a first-round back. I just, I just don't have – I haven't gathered enough information on Matt Corral. And I apologize if you want me to come out now and say he's a first-round pick. I promise I'll, I'll make a determination and tell you what he is in, like, March leading up to the NFL draft. Uh, I need to watch every game he's played. I have a whole process. I, I will say – so I need to see more, but I will say I love his mobility – uh, the dude is also playing hurt, and I love the toughness that Matt Corral plays with. You can see he's limping. He's not at 100%, and he's still running really well, uh, making plays whatever he can. He had an awesome play against Liberty where he reverse pivoted, uh, rolled left, kind of threw a guy open, you know, literally like a back shoulder throw to make a guy who wasn't really open, threw him open. I love that. Uh, Matt Corral, he did run quite a bit in this game against Liberty, and he does a great job of sliding, getting down, protecting himself. I love all that stuff. And now I don't love his throwing motion. I think it's a little short, and that's short meaning I worry he doesn't separate enough on the ball to get more on it throwing vertically. Uh, but also, like, who cares? Like, I, I, I'm telling you, like, I look at it and go, like, I don't love that, but he's also highly accurate. So, like, who who really cares if his throwing motion isn't pretty? Like, it doesn't really matter. So I'll tell you, like, that's how I feel, but also how I feel doesn't matter because the results on the field with Matt Corral are really impressive. And what I've seen, he makes good decisions. He seems like a great leader. Uh, I hear his name a ton, and I want to just kind of update anyone who isn't clear. Like, Matt Corral is on my radar. He might be a first-round pick, uh, and I will just, you know, he, he's definitely one of the names I will do a film analysis on this February, and or yeah, February, March, depending on how it works out, but... Uh, yeah, I he's on my radar. I'm excited about him. I just don't I don't have enough information yet to tell you definitively whether he is or is not a first round pick. He might be the second best quarterback in the draft. I mean, I, I, there's not a lot of great options this year. Matt Corral looks really good, and I just time will tell. I'll do more a film analysis on him later. But uh, that's where I stand on him now. Is I like him, and I'm not sure yet what he's gonna end up at. When I, I got to watch more film and. I just have to be, I have to tell you how I really feel. I can't like lie to you and be like, I hate him. Cause if I said I hated him, I wouldn't have any reason to hate him. Cause I haven't seen enough. And I also don't have enough reason to praise him as a first round pick. Cause I haven't seen enough. And so, uh, that's how I feel about Ole Miss quarterback, Matt Corral. Let's now talk about college football week 10. Uh, there are eight things I find noteworthy that I want to highlight I already talked about Ole Miss against Liberty. Uh, Ole Miss beat Liberty 27 to 14. Uh, let's dive in number one, though. Purdue beat number three, Michigan State, 40 to 29. 
And uh, on October 16th, Purdue knocked off number two Iowa. Now, three weeks later, uh, they just beat number three Michigan State. And I think if you're Michigan State, there's no shame in losing. Like, you've had a great year. I think in some ways, Michigan State has overachieved. If, uh, you know, a bit, if anything, that's what they've done. Uh, Purdue quarterback Aiden, is it O'Connor or O'Connell? I apologize. I think it's actually, I wrote in my notes O'Connor. I, in my head, I feel like it's O'Connell. I watched that game and I, I thought, let me look it up. Let me, let me pause real quick. Look this up. Yeah, okay. It's Aiden O'Connell. I'm not crazy. Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell had a massive day. He was 44-54 passing with 536 yards, three touchdowns. Purdue receiver David Bell had a ridiculous day. He had 11 catches for 217 yards and a touchdown. Um, Great win for Purdue. Their program is in a really good spot right now. They've continually been beating top teams in the country. That's awesome for them. They're like, you know, we... I called them, I think, when they beat Iowa. They're the spoiler makers. They're, their mascot's called the they're the Purdue Boiler Makers. No, this is a team called now the Purdue Spoiler Makers because they spoil other teams' years, and that's pretty fun. Uh, I, you know, Michigan State's playoff hopes are basically done. They're 8-1 and one now, and it's been a good run, but would you take 8-1 and one Michigan State or 8-1 and one Ohio State? I, I think, well, no matter what I believe, I think the committee would pick Ohio State. Um, Stillman, I really respect the year that Purdue has had so far, man. They, they just had a beating Michigan, going on a great run. Mel Tucker's awesome. Like, I don't know how you don't look at Michigan State. And even if you're a, an MSU fan, a Spartan fan, you got to feel proud of what your team has done. I mean, sorry, you lost. Okay. I, I, I understand the pain, but can you appreciate what you guys are doing? It's fantastic. And I, also, I love the Michigan State running back, Kenneth Walker. I, I would draft this guy. No, I, I, I don't value running backs as much as other people. Like, I would not really draft a running back in the first round maybe like 28th overall something like that but I, I I find the value in running backs is finding a guy like Kenneth Walker in the second third or fourth round and the dude is awesome he's not doesn't get a lot of yards receiving I don't really know if he can pass block but what I've seen running the football I'm like hey some NFL team is going to find Kenneth Walker bring him in and he's going to be a great number two back maybe a starter eventually kind of like a doubt like Dalvin Cook wasn't a first round pick and I, I really think that Kenneth Walker's a guy who is going to contribute at an NFL level as a third or fourth round pick. And I really, really like what he's done so far this year. Like he's going to run for some yards in the NFL. Okay. Uh, number two, Wake Forest, another undefeated team also lost. Wake Forest lost to North Carolina, 58 to 55. Wake Forest, they were eight and zero. they were number 19. They were the number nine team in the country going into this game. And I, I wonder, I will never know now. I always will wonder if Wake Forest had gone 13-0, and they win the ACC title, which the ACC is probably the least respected uh, conference right now in college football of the, the Power Five. If you, if you win the ACC title game, you're 13-0, you probably get into the college football playoff, I would think. Now, now that hope is gone, but still, it's a good year for Wake Forest. I just will always wonder like what could have been, and I would have loved to see the college football playoff committee have to make that decision with the 13 and 0 wake forest or like a, a one loss Oregon team, a one loss Ohio state team, maybe an undefeated Cincinnati, maybe uh two, one loss sec teams. Like would wake forest have gotten in? I don't know. Probably not. And that's, that's, uh, you know, the college football playoff selection committee has been spared of that decision, but uh, I'm really curious how wake forest will finish the year. They've got NC state coming up. Then they play at Clemson. Then they play at Boston college. And, I don't know, man. You know, by the way, in this game, 
Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback, had seven touchdowns. He threw for five. He ran for two. Uh, and, and what's kind of sad for Wake Forest, like they're having a great year, but 13-0 would have been really special for them. And they were up 48-34 to with like 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they lost. I mean, they North Carolina had a great comeback. It was a fun ending, actually. Uh, UNC had 24 points in the fourth quarter. And until, see, you know, once North Carolina was up 58 to 48, that's when UNC, that's when Wake Forest responded with a touchdown at the end of the game uh, to make it 58 to 55. They could not get the onside kick. And it just, man, that kind of sad, sad for Wake Forest, man. They were having such a good year and mm, came up just short. Uh, UNC running back Ty Chandler, by the way, had 22 carries for 213 yards and four touchdowns. He was the bell cow of this game. And what I like, by the way, um, Sam Howell, the UNC quarterback, ran for over 100 yards. Like he, he's got an ability to run the football that I think is very, very underrated, not talked about. If he comes out right now, he's probably a late first round pick, maybe a second round pick. The problem is there's like so many, there's such a saturation of quarterbacks right now in the NFL that I don't know that it will benefit Sam Howell to come out right now if he can. Um, so I don't know, man. I Interesting stuff there. Let's talk about the third game here. Number one, Georgia beat Missouri 43 to six. Uh, hey, it was great. Missouri started up, up three to nothing. And then from there on, it was all Georgia. I was surprised. You know, I, I checked out when it was like 43 to three, I believe. I was surprised that there was something like that. I was surprised to find out, oh, Missouri got another field goal later in the game. Uh, shout out to Stetson Bennett, man, the Georgia quarterback. He is a guy who he started some games last year, lost his job to JT Daniels. JD Daniels is the man at Georgia. JT Daniels gets hurt. So Stetson Bennett, the mailman, uh, what do they call them? Delivery man, the mailman, something like that. And <laughs> Georgia, I don't, I don't, I don't follow that closely with Georgia. I, I watch what they do every week, but I, I don't remember the nickname for Stetson Bennett. Anyway, it's really cool that he's been given a shot this year because of the JT Daniels injury, and he's taken it and run with it, man. I, I watched him play a couple times this year, playing great football. I, I think Stetson Bennett is good enough for them to – he can win a national title. Like Stetson Bennett is playing very, very well, and because you're winning, because you're rolling, unless Stetson Bennett gets hurt, I'm not giving up that starting job back to JT Daniels. JT Daniels did play. Uh, Georgia was up by so much against Missouri. JT Daniels came in the game, threw a touchdown pass, but – I'm I'm not giving that job back to JT Daniels if I'm uh, the coaching staff at Georgia. Like Stetson Bennett is my starting quarterback. Now number four, uh, second ranked Alabama beat LSU twenty to fourteen. Huh. Um, look, man. The more I watch Georgia, the more clear it is that basically Alabama is the only team that even has a shot to beat Georgia. And I'm not even confident Alabama can do it. I, I watched Alabama blow a couple coverages. Uh, I mean, multiple times this year they've done that. They had a miscommunication on the goal line. They gave LSU a wide open, easy touchdown. Um, and Alabama punted six times against LSU and had five three and outs. That's a possession where you, you have three plays, you go nowhere, you punt it away. And I, I did watch this game, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, I, I like Alabama. I they've got good recruits. I I like Bryce Young, their quarterback. Can they score on Georgia? Like I don't I don't actually know that they can. And it's going to be very very interesting when Georgia matches up against Alabama. I think a lot of people, myself included, so far have been like, 
Well, Georgia's going to play Alabama in the SEC title game, and Alabama's going to win, and they're both going to make it into the college football playoff. I'm not so sure now, man. I I really, like, maybe I'm just building up the hype in my head, but I really think Georgia might beat Alabama and uh, and their year in the SEC title game. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. But then also, I really truly believe that Alabama is the only team in college football that can actually challenge Georgia. And I, look, I oh, let's go to game number five because uh, I watched number five ranked Ohio State beat Nebraska twenty six to seventeen. And uh, like Ohio State might move up in the rankings this week because Michigan State lost. But man, this was not a great win for Ohio State, and their offense didn't look they looked okay. But like Nebraska's not very good. And I, I said last week that Ohio State, I, I believed Ohio State could compete with anyone. I want to, I, I feel dumb. I didn't, I, I guess I didn't mean to say that. I don't know. I, I think I said like, except Georgia. I don't remember what I said there. Almost anyone does not include Alabama and Georgia. Like uh, Ohio State cannot compete with Georgia. That's for sure. And I don't think they could compete with Alabama. And I, I look at Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, like, None of those teams have a shot at beating Georgia. I just, I don't believe so. I, I, and I, I don't, I don't even know that Alabama can, but if anyone can, it is Alabama. I just think we're in a situation now where Georgia is going to run away with it. I really think they're going to win the same way that LSU won. When LSU won the national title with Joe Burrow, it wasn't even close. Like they, they beat Alabama, they beat everybody and kind of ran away with a national title. And I'm starting to believe that we're going to see the same thing this year with Georgia. They just look head and shoulders better than everybody else. So everybody can have a bad game or you lose somebody. You have a couple of key players get hurt or get COVID. Like you never know. But right now I'm like, I just don't, I don't see how Georgia doesn't win at all by a lot this year. Now, number six, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati barely beat Tulsa since he won 28 to 20. They fumbled on their own goal line. Cincinnati did with like a minute left. So that, that gave Tulsa first and goal on the three-yard line. And, and Cincinnati had to have a goal line stand to win the game. Uh, Cincinnati's 9-0, and which is great. Like They're having a good year. But if they get into the college football playoff, I, I mean, look, here's the thing. I'll lean into it. I'll have fun. I'm like, oh, Cincinnati, like, it's fun. It's different, whatever. But I've watched now in two weeks, Cincinnati barely beat Tulane. Then they barely beat Tulsa. Like, you can't tell me. You just, you cannot convince me that Cincinnati is one of the four best teams in college football. You beat Notre Dame. Whoop-dee-doo. Can you beat Oregon? Can you beat Ohio State? I don't think so. And I, I wish I wish they would schedule that. I just, hmm. I, I really, I'm less and less impressed by uh, Cincinnati every week I watch them and I saw someone put on Twitter I, don't, I, I would give credit if I remembered who said it but someone said like you know screw style points everyone talks about how like Cincinnati needs to win by 50 with style points and show like they're way better someone said screw style points Cincinnati's just trying to survive right now <laughs> it's so true and it's just hard for me to believe that they deserve to be in the top four and for for Cincinnati to be considered one of the top four teams in college football you could convince me even Oklahoma is. Oklahoma similarly struggled to beat Tulane. But at least you have the excuse with Ohio, with uh, Oklahoma, excuse me, 
Oklahoma had a different quarterback, Spencer Rattler, playing in that game. So you're like, well, they changed quarterbacks, and you can explain away the struggles that Oklahoma had early in the year. I don't know what you do to explain how Cincinnati almost lost to Tulsa. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not hating. I really like Cincinnati. I, I, I love the city. I love the people. Uh, and they're a cool story. But I, they're not one of the top four teams in college football. Not right now. Okay, uh, noteworthy number seven, unranked TCU beat Baylor 30-28. to 28. What a game, man. They rushed the field. They got the game-clinching interception. Baylor was 7-1. and one. They were the number 12-ranked team in the nation. And it's kind of crazy for TCU because TCU just had their head coach, Gary Patterson, step down last week. He said, midseason, I'm out. I, I got to step down. He walked away. And this was the first game for TCU without Gary Patterson. And not only this year, but in like years and years. And he really brought TCU to new heights. And so for them to go through that, losing their stable longtime head coach and then win without him was a big deal. It's very cool, especially beating Baylor. Uh, you know, it's I, I, just a really cool win for them. And TCU quarterback Chandler Morris and Oklahoma transfer had a big game. He threw for 461 yards and two touchdowns. TCU wore their gray, uh, their gray jerseys with purple helmets and red accents. It's my favorite uniform in all of college football. They're beautiful. The gray, the purple, the red. Like, that's the kind of jersey you make in Madden. And it looks so fantastic. I love it. I think that, I think they should wear them more often. Honestly, I'm like, why don't, why don't you wear that almost every week? I really love that jersey. It's really, I'm not kidding. It's my favorite jersey in all of college football. It's the TCU gray with purple helmets, that red accent. Oh, dude, it's sick. And of course, they put them on, they won. So wear them even more. Number eight, let's talk about the final thing for college football week 10. Uh, Fresno State quarterback, Jake Hayner. Man, I was so excited to watch this guy. He played Boise State. Uh, he did not have a good game. Fresno State lost to Boise State 40-14. to Jake Hayner was 22 for 38 passing, two touchdowns, three interceptions. All three interceptions were bad decisions. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, an interception was tipped or it wasn't his fault because of this or that. I can't do that. Every single one of the interceptions Jake Hayner threw against Boise State were bad. Were bad decisions, bad throws. Um, and this is Jake Hayner's second bad game this year against Hawaii. Earlier this year, he had four interceptions. And... Uh, all right, now, look, I look, Jake Hayner has a lot of NFL potential. I really think that his ability to throw the ball along the sidelines is fantastic. And he's made some big-time throws this year. Back shoulder throws, throws into tight windows. The way he beat UCLA earlier this year made me go, this dude looks like an NFL quarterback. So the talent is there. The ability is there. And he's been really confident. Jake Hayner's been really aggressive. This year, it's, I think it's part of what has taken his game to the next level. Remember, he used to be at Washington. He couldn't beat out uh, Jacob Eason. I, I actually thought he was a better quarterback than Jacob Eason at the time, but they went with Jake Eason, who had more NFL potential. So Jake Hayner had to transfer to Fresno State, and the the confidence, the aggression has given Jake Hayner a next level to his game this year in college football. But now he's learning how to balance when to be aggressive and when to let a play die. You see him, um, it, it, he's just, he wants every play to work, and sometimes, no matter how talented you are, like, he, look, most of the time, he's like, I can figure this out. 
No one's open. No problem. Back shoulder fade. And you're like, that guy's covered. He's like, not anymore. Bam. And he makes a great throw. But you can't always do that every play. And I feel like he's just still figuring out the balance of when to be Aaron Rodgers and make a crazy throw and when to go. It's just not there. I need to throw it in my check down. I need to throw it away. I need to maybe take a sack, which no one wants to take a sack. Guys like him are really competitive, but um, he's still figuring it out. He's somewhere in the conversation between a first-round pick and a second-round pick. It depends on how much somebody loves him. It depends on how he does the rest of the year. This game, I thought, hurt him, really did. Uh, It showed where he is in his development process, is that he's still struggling with that, figuring out that balance of aggression and patience. But I'm really, really curious to see where Jake Hayner will land in the NFL draft. If he's a, like, he's a second-round pick for sure right now, in my opinion. And I think that might be a steal with a second-round pick. Like, to go to Pittsburgh in the second round or New Orleans. Like, maybe Miami wants someone to compete with Tua. Maybe you go to—he goes to Washington. Like, I believe there are a number of places where Jacob Hayner would be a really good value pick at quarterback. And I just—I really like this guy. Now, watching this game against Boise State wasn't pretty. The talent is there. The, like, he has it. He's so close, but he's just got to get that next bit of polish where it's like, sometimes you got to know when to not pull the trigger too. And that's some of the most, the difficult, the most difficult throws to make are the ones you don't make, where you're, you know when to pull it back. And some guys, you want to be more aggressive. Some guys want to be a little bit less aggressive. Right now, we're trying to, pull the reins back a little bit on Jake Kaner, but he's a really good quarterback. And this game was a reminder of how quickly small mistakes can add up. I mean, a few drop passes, uh, they got the stud quarter, uh, stud receiver at Fresno state. Didn't really, he had a, a couple drops on third down. Uh, Jake Kaner missed a throw on third and eight and a few bad decisions like boom, drop passes, bad decisions, you know, b- drop, you know, bad throws. And suddenly you're down you know, and you lose 40 to 14. So you got to bring it every single game. And, this is not like I've seen Fresno State's offense operate at a really high level. They didn't do that this week. And that's why they're, you know, seven and three instead of eight and two right now. They lost to Boise State. And I I, I really I got I can't say enough though. I really enjoy watching Fresno State. Like they're they throw the ball all over the yard. Jake Hanner's I, I think really good. I think he doesn't get credit where he deserves. And uh I, I'm really curious to see where he goes as an NFL quarterback. Because I think he's a second round pick. He might be a third-round pick, and, and I think that's a, a big steal to get Jay Kaner in the third round. Okay, uh, let's end the show today with this story. Oh, oh man. Um, there is one type of content that I really hate in the sports world, and, and there's probably more, more than one. Uh, but here is the worst type of content in the sports world. It's content made by a team. It's when you see MiamiDolphins.com do a Dolphins season prediction. And you're like, I don't trust anything you say. Because you're you're writing for the team you're writing about. That's insanity. That's why you don't trust. Like, hey, do you think if you if, if Sony had a playstation 5 review that their own writers made would you trust it no no because they're not going to be critical they're going to say all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff and what people i think always don't understand i love watching the tom brady rob gronkowski show on the buccaneers 
uh, YouTube channel. But that that video is made by Buccaneers people, like that work for the team. Or you see the Eagles, you see the Lions, like almost every NFL team now. I think I think everyone. I don't. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure all 32 teams do this. Is they have their own marketing team that makes content on YouTube, and it's not actually content. It's marketing, because the people who make that content cannot be very critical of the team they work for. And I'm not talking about people. I, God bless. I love Tom Grassi. I love Lawrence Owen. Lawrence Owen is a Colts insider. Tom Grassi is the Packers guy, but guess what? Their paychecks don't come from the team they cover. I'm not talking about Tom Grassi. I'm not talking about Lawrence Owen. I love those people. They, they do great work and the genius of them. Yeah. They focus their content around one team, but they can be critical. They're allowed to be honest about the team they're covering. But if you work for the team you're talking about, eh, don't trust you. And we learned why you can't trust that kind of content the other day because Jordan Simone, a broadcaster for Arizona State, former player, played for Arizona State. He's awesome. I follow him on Instagram. I followed him for years. I, I love watching him. I've watched his career evolve. I'm invested. I love this kid. And he's a, he, was, he was a broadcaster for Arizona State. And he got fired because he made comments critical to the program the team said no we don't like you saying bad stuff about us so your paycheck is gone and his career derailed by the way awful and it gave me confirmation of why i will always be self-employed because i truly as long as i don't like say awful stuff about youtube i don't even i think i probably could they wouldn't come after me but I really, truly can say whatever I want here. The audience gets to decide. If you like what I'm saying, you watch, I survive and make money. I never have a person over my shoulder saying, you can and can't say this. I hate, I hate that. I don't ever want that feeling. Jordan Simone shared comments critical of the Arizona State football program, and they fired him. It's why you cannot trust content made by the team. If Arizona State has their own Arizona State broadcast, they're never going to share the nitty-gritty. They're never going to talk about the actual stuff, the dirty stuff going on. There's, there is something to being positive. I, I, I am all in favor of being positive. But especially like, like I, you know, I, I'm trying to not sound like a hypocrite. Aaron Rodgers comes out with his vaccination, vaccination status. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm sorry I'm not. That's not a football story. And it's... Too divisive. There's not really like, I, I, I can't win there. I'm not going to talk about that. But when Aaron Rodgers throws an interception, you bet, you bet your bit pee. I'm going to talk about why that was a bad throw. Or as a good throw, maybe he got screwed over. Like I, you have to be willing to talk about the negatives. And man, I never want to work for a company that doesn't allow me to be critical of the team I'm covering because that's not on his content. So... Uh, like, imagine if for an entire episode I said, let's turn off critical thinking. What? What? I, I hope people like my show because I'm honest. You may not always agree. You, you do not have to agree with everything I say. But you can guarantee everything I say is what I believe, and I hold no bars. Unless it's like, I don't talk about politics. Sorry, I'm not a legal analyst. I'm not a politician. I talk about football stuff. I don't care about your vaccination status, but that's about where I draw the line. Like, I don't really, um, 
thankfully I can really say whatever I want. And I choose not to say certain things, but that's because it's my choice, not because anyone's forcing me not to. And that's powerful. And man, I, I hate the content where eagles.com makes their own podcast and <laughs> they pretend like it's it's not quite right because they're never going to say the dirty truth about their football team. And it's not content, it's marketing. And every, I, I already have enough people to compete with. Why do I have to compete against the Cleveland Browns podcast? A podcast by the Browns, about the Browns, where everything is great and the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl every year. Ah! No, I don't, I, I hate competing with those guys, man. Like, and I don't, I, I don't really get why people watch or listen to that. And maybe they do because they want to hear the positive about the Miami Dolphins. So, and they do probably cover every little story. We signed this guy who is a kicker from Middle Tennessee, Nowhere State, and like you, you want to hear all that. I get that, but I also don't understand why people listen. To, like, I guess, I guess people just don't want to hear the negative. I'm ranting now, big time, um, and I. I'll give you insight into why I'm not going to cover Aaron Rodgers. I'll give you one more thing, man. I Aaron Rodgers said a lot of stuff I didn't agree with. He also said a couple things I did agree with. And and I don't believe I don't trust our society to have a nuanced conversation. Like you you there is I there is no winning with that conversation. So I'm just going to avoid Aaron I'm working on a film analysis of Aaron Rodgers. That'll be great. And we'll talk about football cuz I'm a football guy. But it's sad Jordan Simone was talking about Arizona State football. Football! And got fired for being too critical in his analysis of the way the football program is operating. He was talking about football, his job, and got fired. And that, to me, ah, I hate it so much. I hate, nothing enrages me like that. Well, what are we doing, guys? If the Dolphins hired me tomorrow to do a podcast, I'd say, your GM is terrible. And I'd say that on my Dolphins because you have to be honest. And the fact that you can't in certain aspects of the media, it's, it's awful. It's so awful. And I feel, I feel horrible for Jordan Simone. Uh, and again, there's a difference between choosing not to say something because you don't want to get into that conversation. There's a difference between choosing not to say something and being forced and told you can't say something. There's a difference there. And I, I get to pick and choose whatever I want to say. I'm totally free. I love that. And Jordan Simone apparently didn't realize he wasn't free to say what he believed. And he made comments critical about the football program. And Arizona State said, eh, you're done. And now any broadcaster for Arizona State ever again, I don't really trust them. And I, don't, I, I just, man... I digress. I'm rambling. I'm ranting. I probably won't do a breakout for this, but I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. But um bum bam, we are done.